3: Log Talk Radio.
0: Now, tuned in to the mother un uh-uh, greatest. All right, all right, all right. Yeah.
1: Yes. Welcome to Let's Chat, y'all. I'm Miss Leisha. You know, I got my right hand, and most of the time, she is my left-the fabulous Miss Tony. Hey, T. Hey, Leisha girl, it is
3: Thursday.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Happy Thursday, it has y'all. Come Happy back around. Thursday. It has. It has. I know it has come back around, guys. I, I, I know, Leash. It just seems to be coming here quicker and quicker. I don't know about you, girl, but I feel like we're on a roller coaster. Child, you and me both. I'm excited, <laughs> though. I can't wait for the weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then in the weekend, Leish, you trying to cram everything into it. And before you know it, Monday done snuck back up on us. Girl, I know. I be trying to be friends with Monday, but I don't know. Monday be acting all fake and stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I can nah, be cool with Monday. I, I be trying to be cool with Monday, but no. <laughs> no, nah. nah, I am not Monday's friend. She's a flat leader. She could just leave me right on alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> nah, exactly. Oh man, oh man! But it's good. It's all good. You know, Alicia and I—we be having so much to do. In addition to our show every week, uh, we have so many projects that we we're involved in, and we're always trying to make the show uh, bigger and better for you guys. But um, it's always—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's always something going on. No grass grows under our feet. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm always doing something. T is always doing something. Um, a few things I, I need to get together so I can get um, actually my 2020 kicked off in 2019. I know everybody was mm-hmm. like it ain't even 2020 yet but you know you should really already be in 2021. Really right now I'm running late. You know what I'm saying but <laughs> I, I need to get some things done right now to have a 2020
3: mm-hmm.
1: already set up and in place and so that's what I'm working on now. I have a project and um just doing what I do. I got a few other things that's going to be coming up so I'm really excited about those things and um new ventures and I'm just excited. I got a lot that's going to be going uh, popping off in 2019, so I'm excited about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know guys, the the weather is starting to get warmer. So y'all better make sure to look out for your the ladies in Let's chat. Uh we're going to have a few things that we're involved in. Uh, So keep your cyber eyes peeled and make sure you guys are following us, Lisa and I, our individual uh, pages as well as our Let's Chat, you know, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, across all social media outlets. Absolutely, absolutely. We got a great show tonight, a great show. I've been waiting uh, patiently because he has so much going on. I always say this every time we have him on the show. Um, Author okay. Seth Fiorenti. Let me tell y'all, when he was in jail, uh, not so long before he came home, I was trying to get. I did a, a blog interview on my on mm. my blog with him. And um when he came home I was able to get an interview with him. I'm so proud of him, not just the progress that he made while he was behind the wall getting his mm-hmm. his degrees and just in just getting himself together and preparing for the things that he wanted to do. Um but I'm just really Proud of the moves he's made outside since he's been home And I know that the transition was a little rocky when he first got home it took a lot to get used to But honey, mm-hmm. he did it He did it So he was supposed to be on our Second Chances um, show that we had earlier this year um, But he mm-hmm. had other things and he was out of the country So he had things prior engagements that prevented him from doing that. So we're going to do like a little different type of show today. It's going to be a little bit of a combination. We're ta- We're going to talk about new chances and better life. That's the, the title of today's show. We're going to talk a little bit about mass incarceration. We're going to talk about reform for mass incarceration. But he is an author, he's an actor, he's a director. So we're going to be talking about Movies that he has coming out. We're going to talk about the White Boy Rick documentary. So I'm excited because he has a lot going on and he has a lot to say. He is a journalist. Mm-hmm. He is an author, um, and he is phenomenal. Just phenomenal. He really is. And I remember the our show that he wasn't able to become on. So make sure you guys check that show out on our archives because that was a great show and everyone on that panel something special and unique to the uh, show that evening? But Seth is a friend to the show, and like you say, Lee, he always has something going on, and he is definitely, he's not just a friend, he is a family of the show. So it's always exciting when we get to spend a little bit of time with him because we know his time is precious, and we so appreciate him giving us whatever he's able to give us. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. So we are waiting for him to pull into the chat room. We're going to take a brief break. Um, okay. We want to send prayers out to Xavier Lewis. He had, you know, everything is okay, but he did have a car accident. So we just want to send some prayers out to him. Um, glad that everything is well with him and he wasn't hurt. We also want to send Sarah uh, Gilliard. I want to send her hugs all the way to California. Um, she had a surgery done, and, you know, she's always, 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 she's a PR rep, but she's always allowed uh, me to have access to her clients, and I appreciate her for that. So I just want to send her uh-huh. hugs and and uh, get well wishes, we appreciate her here on the show. We're going to take a brief break, and then we will be right back.
0: Okay. I am the one say missing, my nigga. I'm part of the street. part of the streets. I am the one that they missing, my nigga. I'm part of the streets, part of the streets. I am the one that they missing, my nigga. I'm part of the streets, part of the streets. I am the one that they missing, my nigga. I'm part of the streets, part of the streets. Twisted again, live from the pen. Wanting these niggas, I'm after they chin i I'm making hits from the Fed. Hold out your arm, be calm while I pack the syringe. I am the streets. I represent for the ones to be having that blow in they pot I am a brick of that 81 yola before bacon sold. I blow up the spot, and who harder than me. I bet he faking, manager twisted, he's just a replacement, I'm still a fool with the tools, you should be cool, cause murder was one of my cases, I'm on appeal, no not appeal, dummy, I just said I'm on appeal, and if it go right for me, I see some lighting, before 2020, I'm off of this deal, I'm tired of the fear, I got some homies that I know is strong, but they died in the fear, I know some niggas that lost all their bitches, and now they with Jody dividing his bread. I can attest, I took a blow, and that's the reason ain't no hard in my chest, but I kept a couple of thoughts in my pocket, to keep it a thousand, smart to invest and not be on the burner, be checking my page. Fuck the CEO, he won't catch me today. He know it's real when he look in my face. I got a swag in my khakis and gray and I never complain. I don't do drugs or nothing, the dead and the numb of my pain. I ate a 30 and hell yeah it hurt it, but I made a choice and it came with the game. I am the truth, I'm in the sale record. My nigga, I'm not in the booth, but you wouldn't know by the way that I flow out this gutter shit. You think I'm missing my teeth? Keep it a buck, mix me with that. Why ain't my street niggas hitting my app? Why my hustling when I'm at the door It showed that you never did nothing for black But I got a heart for the streets. I need to play to get back and the starting the street If I catch you slipping out high at the club I'm up on your ass like barking a tree And you know what to do Keep it a hundred Pull out the cabbage, my nigga, and punt it Or well, you can reject it, but you gon' accept it I'm taking this here cause I want it, so run it Part of the street I am the one that they missing, my nigga I'm part of the street Part of the street I am the one that they missing, my nigga. I'm part of the street. I am the one that they missing, my nigga. I'm part of the street. I am the one that they missing, my nigga. I'm part of the street. I told you before street. I was going for the dope. Gun on your hoe like I come for the dope. I ain't playing. I promise that I am the GOAT. And you paid for this quote, so it's murder, bro. Half of these street niggas cookies and cream, Just Can't go a day without loud and the lean. They trick on the cheek if she fit in their jeans. While they partners in prison surviving on things, That ain't for me. I get mine out the mud. Plant me. Concrete and I still a buzz. I am a hustler, if ever it was. Threw up the H right in front of the judge. Left out of court and went back to my cell. Tucking my chin, never tucking my, my tail. Visited the detour. This ain't goodbye, but it is to you later. Just keep me with mail. When they say I went broke since I've been in the fed. They making that up and just running me The If anything move on a yard, I got a part, regardless of they breaking bread. Family, nigga, Texas on mine Shout out to Funky for pushing them lines. Both of these niggas is damaged. All of these calendars here in the city still mine I am the funk Ask your big homies How many niggas I made lying the trunk. And trunking. when I left the streets I just changed up the venue Cause now it continues They lying, they bunk It's part of the game And we all got a choice I got no regrets You can hear my voice Most of these niggas is cars. Players get involved And they get to rolling like Royce Back to the street Like they didn't do it Niggas embrace them Like they never knew it These brawls no different Cause they don't rebuke it This niggas a rat And you bitches are stupid No discipline They don't live by the code That's why so many Of these suckers told. I wish I wish show you love you won't get a hug Left my little boy in the cold But I'm finna go And these fuck niggas know when my feet get the flow, And I'm fixin' the flow. Now I'm your bro Or whatever I need Like money, whatever You got me for sure But just by the record And that'd be good Supportin' this music I got for the hood I took some time out And bought me some sense Now I'm just waiting To walk out the fence I'm the heart of the street I am the one that they missin' My nigga, I'm part of the street Part of the street I am the one that they missin' My nigga, I'm part of the street Part of the street I am the one that they missing, my nigga. I'm part of the street. Part of the street. I am the one that they missing, my nigga. I'm part of the street. Part of the street. Part of the street.
3: Part of the street. Part of the street. Part of the street.
0: Uh, running up the check. Running up the check. Yeah, yeah. Stepping on they neck. Stepping on they neck. Yeah, yeah. Hate us popping off. I don't feel a threat. yeah. yeah that it come correct, gotta get respect I was born for this, I will, I will go to war for this I'll throw feeling possible right out the door for this I'm a savage, 21 Savage, nick, no Afro pick Taking over, no apologies, I'm killing all this shit let I told you I'm a savage, but you wouldn't listen uh-huh. I came to take over the whole game, that's my mission Carriage you motherfucker, now
2: pay attention uh-huh. Now that I got your attention, uh-huh. let me complete my sentence Born in the slums, I hustle for crumbs, I saw for days it. Now it's time to get done, uh-huh. dug into my last night Streets made me a menace, mama didn't raise a uh-huh. fool no Bottom line, you course was mine, homie, uh-huh. I eat your uh-huh. food I ain't with that bumble uh-huh. shit, the only thing that bumbles quick Is when I
0: put that uh-huh. muzzle on uh-huh. that bitch, and I freeze uh-huh. that shit Yeah, I'm insane Nigga, crazy and I'm cool, cool, split personality I don't know who's who, screws loose or so what you say to me I won't snap out, on my New York jersey, nigga, But now I wanna run it uh, out, it's not where you from, nigga right. It's where the fuck you at, Ooh. so I switch that NY and flip it to a bracelet Running up the check, running up the check, yeah, yeah, Stepping on they neck, stepping on they neck, yeah, Hate yeah. Haters popping off, I don't feel a threat, yeah, yeah. Better come correct, gotta get respect. I was born for this, I will, I will go to war for this. If you're standing in my way, you to be on the floor for this. Hey. I'm a savage, 21 savage, a grenade without a pin, taking over, no apologies, I'm killing all this It. So if you don't know who you fucking That's with, right. that nigga KJ here bust quick. <sighs> Better watch what you say when you run your lips. He's crazy in the range, you don't give a uh-huh. shit. Pop pills, that boy is so That's ill. Right. Disrespecting you get killed. Slipping like the viper, the DC sniper to the bitches I won't sleep with yeah. ya. Yeah. You don't wanna with the kid from Jersey. Jersey. Better pray to the Lord for some mercy. Uh-huh. You we like a mic come with fire. Yeah. Stop putting on your raps, you lighter. You ain't bad. never do a bit, you a bitch nigga. Yeah. You relying in your raps, you ain't rich nigga. Uh-huh. You don't want no war with the kid nigga. Woo! I run up your motherfucking crib nigga. I kill you, kill you, kill you and leave no witnesses. No. And write a book about uh-huh. it like OJ Simpson did. Uh-huh. I'm a Irish, nigga, I am out of my mind I'll hunt you down if you got diamonds and grind. grind, I'm on my grind nigga, so don't you waste my time and if you disrespect the king, you know Line. I see you haters, nigga. I hear you haters talking. You gonna end up six feet deep in the fucking coffin. I'm by my paper, I'm about my thriller, I'm counting figures. I see a cross in your eyes, that's why you switch, nigga. Oh you a bitch, nigga. I'm counting chips, nigga. You keep on chasing ads, I'm getting rich, nigga. Running up the check, running up the check, yeah, yeah. stepping on their neck, stepping on their neck. Yeah, yeah. Haters popping off, I don't feel a threat. Yeah, yeah. Better come correct, gotta get respect. I'm I for this. I will, I will go to war for this. I throw every feeling possible right out the door for this. I'm a savage, 21 savage, Captain Nick, no ass pick. Thinking picks, over, no apologies, I'm killing all this. shit. Hey.
1: Yes, we are back. We are back. Welcome to Left Chat. I'm Miss Leisha You know, I got my right hand, and most of the time, she is my left. The fabulous Miss Tony. Honey, we have the fabulous. Fabulous. I call him Fabulous because, y'all, he is dope. He is so dope, and I appreciate every time he comes in here. He is an author. He is an actor. He is not a director. He is an activist. He is a journalist, and he is gracing us with his presence here today on Let's Chat. We want to welcome author, publisher, Seth Ferranti. Welcome, Seth.
2: Hey, what's up? How, how are you guys doing? Great to be on we the show again. Good. We are good.
1: We are happy to have you tonight.
2: Yeah, You know, hey, you know, I'm always coming on your show. You guys been supporting me since I was uh, inside. So, you know, I always got to respect that.
1: Oh,
2: wow. Well, well, we appreciate that. <laughs>
1: yes. Now, you've been cooking a lot in your creative kitchen. So, you got to get us caught up because you've been doing so much, so much uh, in your career. So much. You got so much going on. So many pots cooking on the stove. Let us know what you've been doing so far.
2: Well, I'd say, um, I mean, pretty much the biggest thing right now is you know the 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 White Boy documentary just went on stars this month, so mm. you know, that, that, that's yeah, that's the biggest thing. That's that's on stars. I mean, that's that's about to go worldwide. You know, after stars, you know, a lot of uh, international markets are going to pick it up too. So, you know, the White Boy doc is going worldwide. You know, unfortunately, Rick <laughs> is still in Florida. You know, but. Actually, you know, we got him out of the license in Michigan, and um, he actually has an out date, so he'll be out, you know, back in the world by October 2020. So I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see him in the world. And I, I was just actually on, on Tuesday, I was in Detroit. I was at the University of Michigan at a war on drugs conference. And, um, you know, I kind of – I was a keynote speaker, so I kind of talked about my story, the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. You know how I got hooked up with Rick, and then uh, we showed the we showed the film, you know, to the student body there, mostly like criminology students and some of the other professors and, and stuff like that. Mm, that's that is so awesome. Now,
1: for those of mm-hmm. those of our listeners that don't know your story, just tell everybody a little bit about yourself um, and, and your literary journey, because some people don't know.
2: All right, well. I was basically, grew up a military brat in California. My dad was in the Navy. I lived overseas. Um, When he retired, he got a job in Northern Virginia as a, uh, working for a defense contractor, you know, and um, I I was like the California kid. I I came to Northern Virginia, and, uh, you know, this, like, late 80s, wasn't really any good weed, you know, hardly any LSD around, so I just started getting it shipped, you know, from, from some of my, uh, you know, homeboys in California, and I, I was getting weed shipped out there and LSD, and it, it was like something real small at first when I was like 15 or 16, but then by the time I was like 19 or 20, it turned into this big thing where I was supplying like 15 colleges in five states on the East Coast with marijuana and LSD. Um, eventually, you know, the feds came calling. They indicted me. I didn't want to face the music. You know, so I took off. I was a fugitive for two years. I I think my suicide. I was actually top 15 U.S. Marshals list for two years. I got caught in 93, and uh, they hit me hard, man. I was 22. I got 25 years as a first-time nonviolent offender. You know, never carried a gun, really never even beat anybody up. You know, it's not like I was this big organized crime figure or anything like that. And um, I I went in, man, and and I did the time. I, I did 21 years from... October 1993 to January 2015. While I was in, I started um, taking college classes first through the Pell Grants, which, which, which they still had, like, 93, 94. And uh, then when they abolished the Pell Grants for prisoners, luckily I was in a position where my parents were well enough off, you know, that they kind of came back into my life. You know, they, they had kind of forgiven me by this time, you know, for all the drama and, and all the stuff I you know, cause before and all the, you know, torment and stuff I put in their life. So uh, they, they started paying for correspondence courses. I got a, I got an associate's degree from, from Penn State through correspondence. I got a, uh, a bachelor's degree from the University of Iowa through uh, correspondence. And then I finally got my master's degree from uh, California State University through correspondence and also at this whole time, I was taking mostly, you know, creative writing, journalism, you know, type of classes like that, because when I was in that, I was just trying to figure out, you know, I was so angry about my senses. I was like, how, how did they give me 25 years, especially, you know, you look at it now with like marijuana legalization, you know, sweeping across the nation, and then talking about LSD, you know, for therapeutic value, and PTSD, and stuff like that, you know, and that's really the same attitudes I had back then, you know, so... I always tell people, you know, I never considered myself a criminal, you know, because I I didn't go around, like, violating other people. I didn't carry a gun. I didn't rob people. You know, I wasn't a gangster or a criminal or anything like that. I always considered myself, um, you know, I was an outlaw because I I broke laws that I thought were wrong, and I kind of feel justified now. You know, it's just unfortunate, you know, that I had to do all that time. And and when I was in there, I was just trying to figure out, you know, a way to reach out and kind of express my anger or express my discontent and also to shine a light on, you know, what the federal government was doing, you know, with the war on drugs. Because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, people are in prison. They deserve to be in prison. But I can say my, my whole federal bid, most of the compounds I was on, and I was on eight different federal prisons in the East Coast, every compound I was on, half the people in there they could have let out. And, you know, I mean, they, they were just drug dealers making money. I mean, they weren't violent dudes, you know. They, mm-hmm. they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some people deserve in prison. You know, if you're a real violent person you're continually violent, you know, and, and, and violating people and stuff like that, you know, you should go do some time. But, you know, with the war on Georgia, they just had a lot of people in there that were just trying to make money. And a lot of people, you know, they were just selling marijuana or LSD or whatever. So, you know, I was just angry. So uh, I started reaching out. That's why I started writing. I first started writing for publications like uh, Don Even Feds telling the stories of a lot of the, the crack era gangsters that I was locked up with. And eventually, like beginning in the 2000s, I, I started writing for this publication called Vice, which, um, you know, at that time was just kind of a little punk rock magazine based out of New York. But kind of as they grew and their stature grew into the big media conglomerate they, they are today, I kind of you know, grew with them. And then, you know, I started publishing books, my Street Legend series. I started my blog, Guerrilla Convict. And um, I I was just sitting in prison. I I was writing. I was trying to get not not only my story, but these stories, you know, of all the people that I was locked up with. I was trying to get these stories out to the world, you know, so so people could kind of see, you know, know, what was going on. And it's kind of come out a lot now, you know, how, you know, the feds and and the government, you know, have been – targeting minorities, you know, with systematic corruption and stuff. But, you know, way back then in the 90s, I mean, we were in there. We knew what was going on. You know, we were telling people. So, you know, everything's kind of come full circle, and it's unfortunate that I had to go through all that and all the other people, you know, that are still in there for marijuana, you know, and other, and other, you know, nonviolent crimes are, are still in there. But at least I feel like in the world there's, there's some type of awareness today, and hopefully we're, we're moving in the right direction, you know, where we can – you know, fix America, man, and and make America what it's supposed to be instead of, you know, what it is now. I
1: love that was it that 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 was a amazing.
3: Yeah, you now, know, so that's what Oh go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry.
1: No, I was gonna say now there's been a lot of um different legislation that's gone to the floor in regards to prison reform Talk about the process and, and the direction that it's going in Do you think that these different Legislations are helping Are they just putting A band-aid on it What are your thoughts
2: I mean they need to do a lot more I mean I mean, what they're doing I mean it's it's a step You know like the first step that You know in the feds And, and you know which is kind of You know, the First Step Act is kind of going from D.C. and the feds to a lot of the states now. I mean, it's a a step in the right direction, but that's all it is. It's a step. So, I mean, there's a a Mm -hmm. ton of stuff. I mean, really, if, if you look at it, I mean, people's rights have been, you know, trampled. People's rights have been violated. And, you know, especially minorities. I mean, you know, they've been systematically targeted, I mean, it, and it's still crazy today. I mean, it's—I don't know what the numbers are, but I think I read the other day that's like still, you know, tens of thousands, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of people are still getting arrested every day from mar- every year from marijuana. And mm-hmm. I, I just look at it and I'm like, I'm like, man, wh- when are when are people gonna get a grip? Because it's like, you know, you got big farming, the opioid crisis, and, and all these people making money off the misery of others. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the big people at the top, they can just do whatever they want and get away with it, but, you know, the little people at the bottom or the lower economic scale, you know, we're just getting crushed, you know, mm-hmm. for their benefit, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I would say it's a start. I, I know some of the people, you know, in, involved with the policy stuff, you know, um, I work with this group called White Collar Advice and, and Prison Professors with Sean Hotwood and Justin Papernia and Michael Santos, all guys that we're in, and, um, you know, Sean Hobwood, he's a Georgetown lawyer. You know, he, they've profiled his story in 60 Minutes, and, you know, he's been very instrumental working with Jared Kushner and uh, Donald Trump Jr. and Kim Kardashian, you know, for a lot of this prison reform stuff and, and helping to get people out. But it's just, you know, so many people have just been buried in the system that, you know, that they mm-hmm. need to do. You know, Obama was trying to do it, you know, at the end of his presidency. You know, he was trying to get as many people – you know out as as possible but uh you know i mean really you know trump trump needs to do something i mean this is a little step but i mean a lot more needs to be done i mean cuz you still got people you got non-violent drug offenders in the federal system doing life you know for whatever it is mm-hmm. you know if it's marijuana you know cocaine methamphetamine i mean they're not these are non-violent people you know prison i think something like prison I mean, I, I've been in prison, so I know, you know, some people deserve to be there, you know, for the, the crimes mm-hmm. they have committed. But, you know, prisons should be for repeat, you know, violent offenders, people that don't value life, people that think a gun, they can use a gun to solve problems. That's what prisons should be for. Or, you know, people that are, you know, burning stuff, burning churches, you know, or doing hate crimes and stuff like that. But, I mean, we just need to lose this, you know, I call it like the 1980s war on drug mentality. We need to lose it. There's still a lot of people in the world In in law enforcement, in politics, in government, they still have this outdated, you know, philosophy, mentality, you know, that war on drugs, you know, from the 80s. And you you even see it today, like, you, you see all this stuff in the news, like, oh, medical marijuana users can't own guns. I mean, what is that? So, you know, people doing opiates, you know, people that, you know, get drunk every weekend, I mean, they can have guns, but, you know, a couple stoners can't have guns. It's just, I mean, it's ludicrous. I mean... Things are changing and there's more awareness, but there's still, you know, a, a long way to go. And, and then you look at, you know, like what, what I specialize in, what I wrote about a lot, you know, like the African-American communities, you know, from the crack era and stuff like that. I mean, these communities were devastated, you know, not, not by anything they did. They were devastated, you know, by the cocaine that was being pumped in, you know, by Oliver North and the CIA and stuff like that, by the guns that were bringing in the community, you know. And, and by the law, that we're taking, all these young men, 17, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, and burying them in the penitentiary, you know. Yeah. So then they could go in and, and gentrify these communities. I mean, it's, it's just such a big scam. And when you're behind the bars, where you're in, when you're inside the belly of the beast, you see all this, you know. And you just see it, and we talk about it, and we see it. But now, the awareness is coming. It's, it's not anywhere. I would say like on, you know, a level of 100 you know, percent, like where it should be. I think maybe now we're like at 10%, 15% awareness. So at least mm-hmm. we got the awareness, you know, which is a step mm-hmm. in the right direction. But it's still, you know, it's a it's, it's long way to go, man, because if this is going to be, you know, America and we're supposed to be land of the free, home of the brave, and we're supposed to be a world leader, you know, we, we can't be... We can't tell other countries what to do when we don't even have our other, well, our own country straight. We need to take care of our own people. You know, a, a lot needs to be rectified. You know, a lot needs to change. And I believe, you know, you know a lot, of, a lot of people. You know, like like reparations, whatever it's reparations. If it's, you know, if you want to go all the way back to slavery, if you want to go to like the drug war prisoners, you know, and let them benefit from the marijuana business, which right now they basically have all felons. Barred from the marijuana business, you know whatever it is, man, people need to look back at history and they need to start doing the right thing so everybody is on an equal footing mm-hmm.
3: then, we can, then
2: we can yeah, then we can move forward
1: absolutely, and I know that mm-hmm. you missed the our last um second chances um, session that we had, um, but a lot of a lot of them brought up the conspiracy um Charges, you know, where people can just say they saw you do it, or say you did it, and that's what it is. I ain't get it. I don't understand how somebody can say you saw me, but nobody knows if you saw
3: me. Oh yeah,
2: not. I mean that's crazy. I mean, mean, you're you're seeing it right now, you know, with 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 Trump and the Mueller report and all this. So, you know, I mean, if 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 that was just like Joe Blow, you know, from the hood, oh, he would or, be in You know. <laughs> Yeah, or 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 you know, some dude that doesn't have any money, you know, regardless of race, you know, they're getting conspiracy charge. But you know, people people on the higher level, on the higher levels and the higher economical, you know, backgrounds are people that have money. It's just like you know, like like they're untouchable. Oh, like you can't prove conspiracy against them. But you know, other people, I mean, it is ridiculous. You should be guilty for what you're caught for. You know, I, I do agree. I mean, if, if you have some. Machiavellian, you know, drug lord or you know Pablo Escobar, John Gotti type dude, you know, and you need to use a law like that to get them. Yeah, that's that's what those laws were made for. But that's not who they use those laws against. They just use those laws. I mean, you know, I got a continual criminal enterprise charge. I was twenty years old. You know, I, I was barely mm-hmm. out of my teens. You know, I, I was selling marijuana at fifteen colleges in five states, maybe making at my height. 20 30,000 a month. And I got a continual criminal enterprise charge. That's like a charge for Manuel Noriega, for Pablo Escobar, for John Gotti, and they use that charge on me and they use that charge on people all across the country all the time. And you know, when you know that that's what it is. They make the law for one thing and and I'm not saying sometimes you know they make the law for the right thing, but they don't use it the right way.
1: Mhm. Wow, this is Tony um, Seth, and um, Seth, you you really open up a lot of eyes with what you just shared with us tonight. But I'm going to call it for what it is and, and just put it out there. You know, you talk about the uh, 10 to 15 percent awareness today of, in our society about the opioid opioid crisis, and I want to know. Is it attributed to the different communities, the different neighborhoods now that are that are so involved and so is touching them in a way that it can't be ignored? You know, when you look in the mirror, they you see a different person that's affected by these drugs and things like that. And is that the it the spike of the awareness and what it would take to um, to bring it? all around to 100%. You know, Is it going to just continue to be in one certain community that the awareness comes out? Because like you said, back in the day, it was, it was a different people. It was a different community. It was a different part of town that was affected by the drugs. And today, it's, it's just totally different.
2: Oh, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally. I mean, let's call it like, what it is. It's systematic racism. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you you got to say mm-hmm. what it is. Until you recognize something for what it is, I, you know, I remember, you know, I, I I basically, you know, I was a 70s kid. I grew up in the 80s. And I remember in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, in the 80s, the big thing was like America was talking about, oh, apartheid in South Africa, you know, and they were saying, mm-hmm. oh, apartheid, that's so awful. They do the same thing here. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. like the pot calling the kettle black, you know. I, exactly. And, and like I say, they they are, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, Caucasian or white community, you know, it's going to get more play because really... A lot, of, a lot of the media, a lot of the people and journalists that have, you know, traditionally held those positions are mostly white people. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think now things are getting a little more diverse. You know, I'd say especially, you know, since Trump, you know, because now more people, you know, are raising their voices and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got to call it for what it is, man. But I, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, slowly but surely, I mean, I think, you know, the whole nation – you know, has to see what's going on. They have to get sick of it because, I mean, you just got, you got like these billionaire families that are basically drug dealers, you know, like the, the, the Sacklers, you know, like who own, you know, like the, the Oxycontin and Purdue Pharma, pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. like these big pharmaceutical companies. And, and it's crazy because what they were doing, you had people, you had lawyers that were working in the DEA. They were DEA lawyers, you know, shaping policy. And then these mm-hmm. people – they would quit the DEA because they would get big offers, big money, you know, from these pharmaceutical companies. So then they would quit the DEA, and then they would go work for these pharmaceutical companies. And then, you know, they might work for, like, two or three years, and then the pharmaceutical companies are like, hey, we need to change these laws because, you know, they're going to try to bust us. So then you say, lawyers we'll go back to the DEA and work for the DEA again. I mean, it's just it's crazy, mm-hmm. you know, that all mm-hmm. these, you know, they just, like, hit all this, and, you know, nobody publicized it. No media outlets wrote about it, you know, but now at least, you know, it's being, it's being uh, written about. And now we got like these two dynam- dam- two dynamics in the country, you know, you got like, mm-hmm. you know, the people like Trump, you know, on, on one side and then, you know, you got other people like Bernie Sanders, you know, and some of the Democrats on the other. And it's, everything is so divided, but I think this division is, you know, what can bring everything together because, you know, I mean, you got to be willing to fight, man. You got to be willing to fight for something you stand for. And, and once you're willing to fight for something that you stand for, you know, that's usually, you know, it's, it's going to be changing. And you've seen over the last couple of years, like here in St. Louis, you know, Ferguson, you know, and, and other stuff, you know, coming around the country, you know, people are willing to stand up and, and die for what they believe in. And I believe that's what it takes. You know, that's why this when this country was founded, the founding fathers, you know, they, they wanted to get from out from under the yoke of Britain, and they were ready to Mm die for that, you know, and and Mm -hmm. that's why it happened, and that's what we were founded on. So, you know, we're having these moments now. The only only thing why it's so hard right now is because the people on one side, you like, you remember in in the 80s we used to say, like, the top 10% had all the money, you know, like Mm -hmm. in the capitalistic Reagan years, but now it's, like, the top 1%. It's, like, the ultra-rich. It's just, like, you know, we're lucky that we got people, you know, like Kanye you know, Jay-Z, Meek Mill, you know, Kim Kardashian, you know, people, you know, that have, have wealth and have influence and they're standing up and they're saying, Hey man, we need to take a look at this. We need to change this. You know, we need to pump money into this, you know, to make stuff right. Cause you know, it, it's just crazy when 1% of the population controls everything and just walks over everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, regardless of color, you know, cause cause, i I'm a white dude, but those I'm not that one percent they they don't represent me, you know those old mm-hmm. white rich guys in Congress you know they don't represent me at all you know they don't have my interests, you know mm-hmm. even and I'm a white mm-hmm. person, but you know definitely I would say the last the last midterms you know trump i, I tell people a lot you know I like trump I, I don't like trump for what he stands for or who he is or nothing like that. I like trump because Trump is making a lot of people mad. Trump is making a lot of people wake up. And really, it's been since Trump that a lot of this stuff is coming to the surface, you know, the last several years. And the last midterms that we just had, you know, a lot of women ran for Congress and got elected. You know, a lot of minorities did, you know, in traditionally, you know, conservative areas or Republican areas or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of different people are getting involved. And I think as America, our representation needs to represent the people, man. So, I mean, you're always going to have those rich old white dudes in because they represent part of the population. But, you know, they're not supposed to be the majority in the Congress. You know, you have to have people that represent all colors. You have to have people that represent people from all the different, you know, socioeconomic, you know, levels. And, you know, that that's what's going to, you know, make America, you know, to take Trump's word, you know, make America great again. But, you know, he's not going to be the one to do it. It's, it's going to be a lot of these people – that are coming up now, you know, and, and as they advance their political career, careers and, and new people run, you know, even like I, I like some, uh, uh, like this guy, Andrew Yang, who's, you know, kind of throwing his app in, you know, for the presidential, you know, contention or even Bernie Sanders. I mean, somebody just needs to come up and say, you know, the old way's not working, you know, the old way is trampling on people. And, and then all these rich people, I mean, you know, I, I, I know America, that's why people love America, because it's capitalistic. You know, you can go from nothing to make a lot of money, and people do that, and I respect that. But, you know, when these people, they just get like, you know, almost like monopolies, and it, it's just crazy, man. That, that really needs to change. There needs to be a distribution of wealth, you know. More people need to be given opportunities to do stuff than, you know, how it's happening right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I I hear what you're saying, um, Seth. I'm sorry. This, I'm sorry, Elise. This is Tony. Okay. You know, I want to just go back to just a little bit, just a little bit into what you were just explaining about the um, former DEA's moving from one side to straddling the, the straddling the bridge, if you want to say. But they know the loopholes. They are experts on both sides, whether it be on the DEA side of, or whether it be on the pharmaceutical side. So they are able to. Um, to put their their stamp on it. You know, they're able to get through the loopholes and make whatever it is that they're trying to make an issue. And a lot of times that those that have the biggest voice are the ones that know the loopholes within certain things, and, and the little guy is left to the side, and you don't hear as much. Their voice isn't as loud. So whereas one side is talking about the opioid crisis because it's affecting their community on the other side you have thousands, hundreds of thousands that it was affected just for the sake of it yesterday and they didn't have a voice so now this whole booming voice is talking about oh it's a crisis we've got to make this legal we've got to make that legal whereas when it affected people that look like me it wasn't an issue and I have an issue with
2: that. <laughs> Oh no! I mean, you should. I I have an issue with it too, because I I think when we elect people, you know, our representatives. Right, right now, I mean, really, our country is just like prison. Like, look in prison, mm-hmm. whatever job mm-hmm. you have, it's it's just like the street. Everything is a hustle. Your job is a hustle. Your position is a hustle. You know, anything you do is a hustle, and that's what we have right now. And I mean, that's the that's the. Dark underbelly of capitalism Which is kind of ruling right now I mean capitalism mm-hmm. can work You know right but when it's you know When it's just being manipulated I mean you see it even like with this admission Scandal Mm-hmm. Oh sorry I dropped my phone <laughs> Perfect sorry, example
1: phone. the admission scandal
2: <laughs> Yeah like Like you know, all those people, you know, they were using their wealth, and, and the people that they were paying were using their, their, their jobs as hustlers. Right. And that, that's a perfect example. That's what our politicians do now. You know, that's what our politicians mm-hmm. have been doing since, you know, forever. And, you know, that, that's what's wrong. We need the best and the brightest to be politicians, and they need to be compensated so that they don't have to you know, cater to lobbying groups that are giving their money. You know, it, it's like you look at the presidents, right? Like I, I'm going to okay. use Bill Clinton as a, a perfect example. And, you know, I'm not I'm not like pro-Democrat or, or pro-Republican or whatever. I, I'd say I'm more, you know, like a, a libertarian type of guy. But, uh, you know, I like some conservative stuff and I, I like some liberal stuff, so I'm kind of middle of the road. But I'm going to give you a perfect example. Like when Bill Clinton first came up, you know, I mean he he was governor of Arkansas and all that stuff and, and and he had some money but you know, he would get money mostly donations and whatever. But now it's like the Clintons are I mean, they they're rich, they don't want for anything. So he used the presidency to get money. You know, and and you know, for anybody inside, you know, I know Bill Clinton too. You know, when I when Bill Clinton got elected there was maybe like fifty federal prisons, you know. By the time he got out there was like a hundred and fifty federal prisons. So I mean that tells you right there. But uh you know, we, we need people in politics who, you know, aren't going to take the money, but you know, I mean, I mean, it's hard. I mean, everybody wants money. Money makes life easier. You know, people are going to take opportunities, you know, but the way the system is set up right now, you know, the people are taking opportunities, you know, and and making money and they don't even care about anybody. You got to have people, you know, we need representatives that care about people, you know, that are going to be bigger than everybody else. And and I think that's a problem because it's just hard because, you know, at the, at the core, most human beings, you know, are creatures of convenience, and, and we just want our life to be easy, and money makes our life easier. So, you know, not not to say, you know, that I can blame them. Anybody can get in the position. That position might do the same thing. But that's one of the big things, you know, that needs to be looked at and, you know, why there needs to be term limits, why there doesn't need to be, you know, career politicians, and why there needs to be equal representation.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to just go back a little bit because you talked about um, and just kind of switch because you got so much going on and we only got you for a brief amount of time. I want to go back to what you said about um, the documentary Going to Stars and it being um, picked up globally. Talk a little bit about how that works.
2: Well, basically um, we license, Stars didn't buy it. We license it. You know, it's, they do like licensing deals. You know, so they get it for they pay a certain amount of money and they get it for a certain amount of time. But then, you know, once you get on a, a, a network like Stars, I mean, or Netflix or Hulu or something like that, it raises you know the visibility because you know everything is content now. There's so many streaming services. So then, if you got something and it does well on one of these streaming services, you know, then all international, you know, like 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 all over Europe you know, uh, all over, you know, China, you know, Australia, all, just all the different markets, you know, where, where people are getting content, you know, they're looking at that. Because, I mean, so whatever you want to say about America, you know, and, and all our numerous faults and all the things that are wrong with this country, I think still when it comes to entertainment, I mean, we're still top of the line. I mean, you can just see that, you know, with all the, the hip-hop artists, who pretty much, you know, dominate, you know, internet, national and international music these days they're, they're like the most recognizable, you know, biggest celebrities and everybody loves their music So, um, yeah, S.T.A.R.S. is just, I mean, that's a huge platform, man You know, Netflix, these streaming networks And when something does well here and that just, you know, takes it international Because all the little streaming networks or, you know, S.T.A.R.S. Europe Or, you know, S.T.A.R.S. China or S.T.A.R.S. whatever they all want this content, you know, so that that's how I, I see it kind of spreading. So once since we've been on SARS, we've been getting a lot of interest now. So I think that's gonna uh you know, lead to a lot more uh, licensing deals for different streaming networks all over the world.
1: Mm. All right. I love it. Now yeah, I didn't what...
2: I didn't, I didn't intend I didn't intend to come on here and be so political but I don't know, Just sometimes I'll just be reading the news and I just see all the stuff and it just makes me so angry, especially, you know, I'm a marijuana guy. I've been a marijuana guy my whole life, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sometimes sometimes I'll be like a 24-7 stoner. You know, not all the time. I, I take breaks sometimes depending on what I got going on in life or what project, you know. But, uh, you know, it, just, it makes me so mad when I just see, you know, I, I see like people being prosecuted Marijuana, you know, I I just get so angry, you know. It's like, why are you prosecuting? You know, I mean, I I drink, you know, but I'm not, you know, I'm the type of dude I might have one or two drinks. You know, I'm a social drinker. You know, really, I don't even drink that much. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's just crazy, man, that uh, makes me so angry when you see. And then then the prison, it makes me so angry. You know, I got friends that that are in prison. You know, life, doing life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's and, and the these are like use it.
3: guys. Yeah. They, they, they've, been, they've been in
2: easy. prison. Yeah, these guys have been in prison for like, you know, they're they're middle aged men now, you know, fifty. Like even like 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 white boy Rick. Why is my boy Rick still in prison? You know, but I but I got other friends that got life sentenced in the Feds and you know, I'm just like, man, it just makes me so angry, you know, so sometimes you guys just caught me in one of those moments where I got real political. <laughs> I usually don't do that.
1: Well, why are you political? <laughs> I got a question then. Because You know, El Chapo has been in the news a lot, but he is not the only uh, cartel boss that is here in a a United States prison. Um, My question is, why are they here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I guess the U.S. government feels like you know their country can't do anything about it, so you know they want to step in and be be big brother, you know. But um, I don't know what you know with the cartels. I mean. I think, like, those laws, like like the CCE and stuff, I mean, that was made for big cartels. I mean, you could say, you know, I've read a lot of stuff. Some people say, oh, Chapo just took the fall. You know, it's really the government people in Mexico. So I I don't know. That's just, like, a hard thing because it's, like, the U.S. for diplomatic relations. I mean, they got to have somebody to talk to over there. So they talk to the government people. And even if the government people are criminal, you know, and even if our government people are criminal. So, I mean, but I think that's all you know that that's all caused by the drug war. I mean, people in the United States are are, are going to take drugs, you know, regardless of where they get it from. You know, people throughout history have have escaped, you know, used you know different types of drugs for escapism. I mean, that's just a part of humanity. So to criminalize that, I mean it's just crazy. I mean I believe I mean I, I'll be the first to say. I mean, if you're going around killing people and, and doing stuff like that to protect your business, or, or whatever, I mean, maybe you, you should be in prison, you know, because, you know, human life is valuable. You know, people shouldn't just go around and, and kill people, you know. But, you know, taking drugs, you should be, if you want to take drugs, you know, you should be allowed to take drugs. I mean, you can go and buy alcohol. You can go and buy cigarettes. You know what, marijuana is the same. I mean, even I'm not into heroin. I'm not into cocaine or I'm not into methamphetamine or some of that stuff. But, you know, if that's what people want to do, I mean, it should be regulated somehow. You know, and, and maybe people, you know, like El Chapo, you know, I, I don't really see any difference between, like, some big pharmaceutical CEO and El Chapo. I mean, really they're the same. I mean, right. maybe El Chapo runs his business more violent, so that's why, you know, they go and get him and bring him over here. But also a figurehead like El Chapo is, uh, you know, he's a fall guy, you know, because, I mean, obviously as long as he was doing stuff, and as long as he had, you know, shit on smash or stuff on smash, excuse me, whatever you say, I mean, obviously he was working with people in the government in Mexico,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, any, anybody that's involved, you know, we've even seen in this country, like you guys got guys like Wadi Bulger or whoever guys that have been, you know, criminal empires or criminal, you know, overlords for a long time. They're, they're working in conjunction with law enforcement. You know, it's two sides of the same coin. They're just on different sides, but you know, basically, you know, a lot of them, you know, are, are basically the same people. I, I've met since I've been out. Like, so, you know, the white boy, I, I interviewed a couple different FBI guys for that. And, you know, I went and hung out with them, and I talked to them. And really, they're just like criminals, except they're just, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, they, they jump out there. They do crazy stuff. They take risks. You know, it's a, it's the a same kind of mindset. It's just opposite sides of the coin, you know. So, I mean, that's like a that's like a really good question. Like, why... You know, or some people, just because they're on the right side of the law, are not prosecuted. And then people, you know, on the wrong side of the law, you know, are prosecuted. I mean, mm-hmm. if we can figure that out, if we can figure right. that out, you know, maybe, maybe maybe we can move forward. But I do believe, I, I believe that, uh, you know, all I believe all drugs should be legalized. I mean, that's my personal opinion. You know, a lot of people... A lot of people might not. That's a long way it. coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, hey, marijuana is halfway legalized. If you think about it, if you go all the way back, liquor wasn't legalized when it first, you know, back in the day, it was illegal. Um, and then all yeah. of a sudden, they they decided to the best way to uh, control bootlegging was to put a put some money on it and get in into it. So I mean, yep. and then same thing now with marijuana. So who knows what what they have plans for, um, but they're gonna mm-hmm. have to do something because what they're doing now is not working. But I guess maybe Definitely. now it, it's just shifted to other things where they figure, okay, well let's let's get control this way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there's there's too many there's too much terrible stuff happening. You know, I mean. I mean, you got you got pedophiles out here. You got you know sex trafficking, mm-hmm. human trafficking. I mean, they're
3: mm-hmm. stealing
2: kids and taking people for body parts. You know, I mean, it, it's mm. crazy all the stuff that's going on. And and a lot of that stuff really flies under the radar, you know, because they want to mm-hmm. make such a big deal, you know, about drugs and stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of awful stuff happens in the world, and I, I think, you know, law enforcement both nationally and internationally needs to worry more about that and, and stop, you know, worrying about, you know, people cuz most drug I mean some drug dealers or drug organizations can be violent, you know? I mean, that's a given. But the majority, you know, they're just people trying to make money. They're just, you know, dealing in like a legal contraband and, instead of it's something a business, legal, right. you know. Yeah. yeah, they're just business people. So, I mean, it's crazy that, you know, you this person can Sell oxys and and people can sell marijuana and you get twenty years for selling marijuana and for oxys you just got to pay a fine. Mhm. You know does does make sense? In the scheme of things, but, you know, it does. <laughs> you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's never going to be, be a perfect world, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just uh, I just find lately, man, I, I just just you know. I get so sick of this stuff. Even, like, I'll go on Twitter sometimes and I see some articles and I I just go on rants. And, you know, some people probably think I'm crazy or whatever, but I'm just like, you know, being in prison for so long, you know, you kind of got to, you know, conform and, and, you know, you can't say what you want, you know, because you'll end up in the hole or you'll end up in this. And, I mean, I'm 40 years old. I'm almost 50 years old. So I'm like, I'm just going to say what I want, you know, if you don't like it you know, keep walking. You know, if if they do like or support (laughs) what I say, you know, cool. Mm -hmm. I'm just getting to the point now where uh, I'm just going to say what I want to say and I'm going to do what I want to do. And, you know, if if they want to lock me up or if they want to kill me or, you know, whatever they want to do, you know, bring it. Mm -hmm. You know? But I'm still going to do my creative stuff no matter what because that's like my passion, you know, Mm -hmm. writing and uh, I'm really, I'm moving into more film stuff, so you know, I can kind of, like with White Boy, I think we really showed, you know, what's, what's really going on. And I, I got some other stuff in the works now that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to entertain people, and I'm, but I'm trying to educate them at the same time. And then, like, with some more of my narrative work, you know, and features that, that I want to do, you know, I want to I entertain, but, but I want to get a message across and I want to show how things are and, you know, just, just expose stuff for what it is.
1: Absolutely. Now, have you ever thought about running for office yourself?
2: No, I don't. I don't know, man. You know <laughs> <laughs> why? <laughs> I'm just saying. I just saying.
1: think politics
2: is. I just think politics is so it's so corrupt, man. It's you know, I I, I don't know, you know, because I mean it's like anything, you know. I mean, because you can have someone who's, who's real pure and, and, and has really good beliefs, and then. You know, they, they, they get in the system, they get in the political machinery, you know, or like they call D.C. the swamp, and, you know, and, and you've got all these, you know, shifty, slangy people and come and offer you this hard money. I mean, I, I'll be the first to say, I mean, people are human, you know, sometimes, you know, it takes a real strong person, you know, to, mm-hmm. to not take, you know, if someone offers you, you know, a certain amount of money or whatever to vote this way or to support this or support that. I mean, it takes yes. a real strong person not to take that money, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I wouldn't even want to put myself in that position because you know i could I could stand for all this, and then people start giving me money, and then I could become the same as what I hate.
1: exactly, but
2: then the cycle isn't broken,
1: you know this the cycle isn't broken because not enough good hearted people are going into to service to to clean out the swamp. The swap is just gonna continue to be a big dirty swap.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I, I wish I had the answers. I mean, that's <laughs> that, that's a problem. You know, I, I think you know if if we if we just get, you know, I, I think the midterms, last midterms, was a step in the right direction. But you know, we need to keep that. We need we need younger people. We you know we definitely need more women. Definitely need more people of color. You know, we we need to we need to change the makeup of the government. But you know, who's to say? I mean, they could all end up in the same position. You know, when Mm -hmm. when the money starts floating around. But you know, hopefully, I mean, that's all you can have in hope. That's all you can have is hope, man. If you don't have hope, I mean, you don't have nothing. So, I mean, you know, we can hope, and you know, maybe maybe people will come along. And even you know, I I I like Obama, man. I I thought Obama was big for our country. You know, because he was the first African American. You know president and you know i know they want to say something about the democrats and you know their crime family and i do believe the clinton's mm-hmm. were kind of like a crime family and you know but i, I think obama did a good job for our country I, I i would really like to see a woman be elected president you mm-hmm. know I, I think you know it definitely somebody smoother you know obama was smooth you know trump is not smooth best you know obama represented our country good trump just kind of is like the ugly American, you know. So I mean, all the I know all the business, all the businessmen, all the businessmen love Trump, you know, because he helps them mm-hmm. make more money. And you know, I guess for the economy, he he's been good, you know, in, in some ways. And you know, maybe I don't know. We got we got to look. We got we're gonna have to look back at Trump in hindsight, you know, ten twenty years from now to really judge, you know, because there's just so much, uh, you know, hyperbole and, and stuff in the media. And even like I, I write for Vice man, and, and when I started writing for Vice because we were doing all raw stuff, but he, even Vice is like you know so left now, you know everything you know it's like this big division, like the left and the right, and we just need to as as a country and our our representatives everybody you know need, needs to be more centered. I felt like Obama was you know like more in the center, you know, would kind of bring everybody together instead of like this crazy division that we have now, you know, in, in politics and in the country, which I don't think, you know, I don't think that's, that's going to lead to anywhere, mm-hmm. you know? So, I, I mean, you know, we we can have hope and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, somewhere, someplace, you know, there there's somebody that's, uh, you know, ready to step up. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost 50, man. I'm tired. That's a, a younger <laughs> man's game. You know, I'm just trying to, uh, I just wanna make I wanna make some cool stuff, you know, that people like and people wanna watch, you know, and entertain people with you know, getting my message across and you know, I just wanna make enough money so my wife can quit her job and you because she took care of me my whole bid, you know, stayed with me all that time. So I just wanna, you know, give her a nice life and you know, I you know, I want nice stuff and whatever, but you know, I don't need to I don't need to have I mean you know, like AOC said, like, you know, why would anybody need more than $10 million a year? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anybody, when I get like, there, I'll you, let you know. know. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it's just crazy. It's like, you know, it, it's taking it to the stream, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't know. It's like anything. You know, it's like levels, too. You know, just like Meek Mills talks about, you know, he has that song, Levels. You know, it's like you get to one level and you want to go to the next level. So, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just struggling. You know, a lot of times, you know, from the, the outside, people look in and they say, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. But, I mean, really, I, I feel like I'm, I'm struggling like everybody else. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hand-to-mouth. I'm, I'm month-to-month. It's not like I'm liquid or I got a, a lot of money in the bank, which I think, you know, every, everybody is pretty much like that. You know, it's only that top 1% mm-hmm. that has a lot of, you know, even like we see big celebrities or, you know, athletes and, and they make all this money. But, you know, they're still living hands-to-mouth. They're just, you know, because they're spending a lot more money. You know, so it's mm-hmm. it's the same thing, you know. So, uh, you know, I I'm struggling. I mean, life is a struggle, so I, I'm gonna keep struggling and uh, try to do the things I want to do and, and 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 make a difference, you know. And at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, create different stuff and you know have stuff that you know that that's what I that's what I get value out. of I get value out of when people read my books, you know, and, and they like it and they say, hey, man, that was good. Or if like you new know, people watch the documentary. You know when people, mm-hmm. you know anything I do artistically, you know that people enjoy. That's what mm-hmm. I get value from. You know I, I like crave that recognition. You know so that's kind of like what drives me. You know it's, it's not even you know I mean money's nice because money gives you more opportunities to do more stuff. You know so you know money's always nice but really for me it's more the uh, it's the recognition. You know it's it's the you know I got a, a big ambition. You know for people mm-hmm. to like what I do
1: mm mm-hmm. Well, we all in that you know, same You're not alone.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people do entertainment stuff. You know, that, mm-hmm. and, you know that's what we like. We just we, you know we want to be heard. We want to be recognized. You know, we want to be validated. You know, I think that right. as a human, I think as a race, we all you know that's what we want. You know, mm-hmm. so this is okay. my way to do it, and, and you know a lot of other people's, but you know it's never going to be a perfect world man we can just you know try to be nice to the next person and, and try to be humble humble and, and be grateful you know and, and you know give people respect that's
1: it respect see. now mm-hmm. what's, what's next i know you said you're going you're heading into more of movies uh, and the big screen but what's next what's next for your brand what's next for guerrilla's convict what do you have next that we can look
2: forward to well i've been working on this documentary about north st louis for about like two and a half years now so we're in post-production right now we're editing it and um what it's about there's this uh there's this reverend here named the reverend kim mccoy and um you know, he's like a big dude. He has dreadlocks, you know. Um, he, he has a, a, a denomination in, in North St. Louis. But, you know, he he goes out and he walks the streets, you know, and he doesn't walk the street like during the day, you know, when it's light out. He goes out and he walks the streets on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. You know, and, and, and he goes out there. Uh, he's basically a, a violence, you know, interrupter, which – you know we've had you know in a lot of different cities across the nation. You know people have been doing work like this, and he's kind of you know one of the main ones doing it here in St. Louis. So we we filmed them. We filmed them for two years, man. We went out and we followed them. We took cameras. We walked around North St. Louis. You know we heard gunshots. You know people fired guns around us. You know we saw people. You know. People that we saw, you know, one weekend. Maybe the next weekend they weren't around because they got killed or they, they OD, you know. And um, mm. he he just goes out in the streets, you know. And, and his main thing is, is you know, he he says it. He says he says I do this, you know, because I, I love black people, you know. He says these are my people. I I love black people. He says I'm I'm sick of the young men killing each other. He said, you know, he's trying mm. to get people off drugs. You know, he he's trying to get people places to live, like the homeless. You know, they, we, when he goes out, they give sandwiches, you know, they bring blankets, you know, just all this little stuff. But, you know, his main thing is he calls what he does a, a ministry of presence. You know, he just goes in the street, you know, he meets some people in the different areas and if he can't help, you know, if there's some situation that might turn violent, you know, he, he actually, you know, he steps in the way. He's like the type of dude, you know, he would step in the way of a bullet if, if someone was trying to kill somebody else, you know, that's just the type of duty is. So, I'm making a film about him. You know, he, he's my hero. You know, for the film, but at the same time, what he's doing and what's happening here in St. Louis, you know, it's it's a microcosm of what's happening, you know, all across the nation, and this is just, you know, what he's doing to change things. So that that's the story I'm I'm trying to tell in this it's going to be a feature doc. So, you know, we're in the editing process right now, so I'm hoping to get that done, you know, this year and then um you know, get into some film festivals in 2020 and kind of highlight, because really what what he's doing, it kind of stemmed out of Ferguson, you know, because he, he oh. was at Ferguson, you know, and he was down there involved. And then, you know, he got together with some other like-minded people, you know, like some uh, college professors from uh, Harris Stowe and other concerned citizens and, you know, people that work with homeless people and people that work with addiction and people that work in gang prevention, you know, and, and, and he formed this thing. It's called Nightlife. So that's what the documentary is, is going to be called. It's going to be called Nightlife, Walking St. Louis's Most Dangerous Streets. And, you know, for a lot of people that don't know, you know, St. Louis is ranked in the top five, you know, for murder papal of the year, you know, the last, you know, since Ferguson, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's really, it's a story about one man and, and what he's willing to do and how he's putting his life on the line you know, for, for his people because he has love for his people. And, and, you know, I've been following him and I, I got the ultimate respect for this guy because, you know, he just doesn't talk the talk. You know, he walks and walk. You know, he's just not there, you know, for the camera moment or, you know, to get in the news and stuff like that. He goes out there if there's cameras. He goes out there if there's 75 people walking with him. He goes out there if it's just him. You know, I've been out there with cameras where it's been like him and one other person. You know, I've been out there with cameras where, where it's been like, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, church community people, you know, like seventy or eighty people. So, you know, I just think it's amazing what he what he's doing and that's kinda of like the story that I've been documenting and that's I'm trying to pull that documentary together and and get it finished so that I can get it out there and um you know, show show the world, you know, what's happening in Saint Louis. But, you know, I think what's happening in North St. Louis is, is representative of, you know, what's happening all across the nation. Mm.
3: Mm.
1: That sounds powerful. Yes.
2: Yeah, so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like, you know, one of those, uh, it's going to be like, you know, kind of a a call to action, you know, type Mm -hmm. of issue film. You know, we're going to show all the different issues, but also, you know, we're going to tell his story, you know, and why he does what he does, you know, and, and the different, you know, challenges and obstacles that he's faced in his life you know, that led him to the decision, you know, to do this. And it, it this mm-hmm. this dude's phenomenal. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's snowing, if it's icy, if it's cold, if it's raining. I mean, he goes out, you know, like, like clockwork, you know. And like I said, he's not going out there during the day. He's going out from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. to all the hot spots, you know. He, he's hit he's hitting the worst areas, you know, on the other side of Del Mar in, in North St. Louis, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh Again, you know, I'm just, you know, I even feel honored and lucky, you know, that he would even, you know, let me go out with him, you know, and vouch for me, you know, so that the people would even, you know, these communities would even let me go out here with cameras, you know, because a lot of times, you know, in the hood, if you see a white guy with cameras, they're going to think it's cops. So, you know, you know how that can go. But, you know, he put his word out there. When I approached him to do all this, he put his word out, you know, let all the people in the communities where he walks, know what we were going to do, you know, and that we were coming out. And, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with the different people, and I've even recorded them, you know, and and let them, you know, talk about what they think is wrong or or how they ended up, you know, homeless or on drugs or where they ended up. So it's just a way to show, man, I want to show, because people can always say, you know, like, oh, he's this, he's that. People, you know, humans like to stereotype other humans. Society likes to stereotype. But, man, I I don't care if you're white, black, Mexican, or whatever. If you take the time to talk to another human being, they're people just like you are. I mean, they just might Mm -hmm. be some other, you know, they had unfortunate circumstances, you know, in their life. Or, you know, just because of what color they're from or or where they're from, they didn't have the same opportunity. So Mm -hmm. that's why I'm just trying to shine a light and say, look, these people are human. I, I don't care if you're a drug addict. I don't care if you're homeless. I don't care if you're a gangbanger, you know, ex con whatever, I'm just trying to show, you know, just like the same I was trying to do with my Street Legends series, you know, I, I'm just trying to show, I mean, these people are human, man, and they got, they just find themselves in, in circumstances beyond their control, and, you know, mm-hmm. so that's that's what I'm trying to show, and I'm I'm trying to, you know, he's my hero figure, you know, because I, you know, really, I'm just like, I'm like, man, how does this dude do this? He just keeps doing it, you know, and uh, I'm like, man, I'd be tired of doing that all the time, but you know he doesn't give up. We we've been out. We filmed them where even guys were saying like out there like, why you keep doing this, man? You're not doing no good. And he's like, man. He goes, this is what I want to do. He's like, I love my people. I'm trying to make a difference. So
3: uh,
2: yeah, that's what Determined. that's what we're gonna highlight. Yeah, that's what we're gonna highlight in this film. You know, it's kind of like, you know, one one man's crusade to uh, you know, turn turn a whole area around, or at yeah. least do what he can. You know, and and you know he does. He he has a little successes. You know where he gets. You know he'll he'll get find people. You know housing or, or he'll get people in rehab or like I said he'll stop he'll stop people getting killed and you know that's just amazing that I think that you know he takes that all upon himself and that's why I've been uh, documenting his story and um, mm-hmm. yeah hopefully I can get it in a big film festival next year so you know a lot of people can. And, and see what's been happening In North St. Louis You know to raise awareness uh-huh.
1: Absolutely wow. Now can you talk a little bit about that Because there's a lot of authors That are taking their books uh, to film And they're taking it to um, Netflix and, and different avenues uh, Like that Can you just talk a little bit about How to get your project Into a film festival
2: Oh well, I I use this. Um, you know they they have this thing it's called Film Freeway. You know it basically. Uh, you know they have a lot of, a lot of the film festivals and you kind of go on. And you can make a project and you can upload. You know your your short film or, or your documentary or whatever. And then uh, you know you got you got to pay entry fees. You know some are more expensive, some are less. But you know they can range anywhere entry fees from ten dollars to fifty or sixty dollars. But what I found, what you have to do too, because I, I didn't go into a lot of these film festivals. I mean, it's it's like anything, you know, in in this country or in the world, you know, it's, it's about connections and networking too. So, you know, like, not only do you want to, you know, use these things like Film Freeway, you know, to enter them, but then, you know, you want to go to these places because you want to meet people because it's like, all right. If, if I don't know you and you're asking me, you're submitting some film or whatever, I've never met you, you know, a lot, a lot of times, you know, maybe I'll, I'll disregard your film. Or, you know, sometimes some of these film festivals, like a big one like Sundance or something, they get so many entries, they don't even look at them. There's no way they can look at them, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. They,
2: they don't have, you know, enough people or enough man hours. So, you know, when, when I'm doing this stuff, I'm, I'm entering these films and I'm submitting them. But I'm also going to these film festivals and I'm networking with people and I'm trying to meet these people, you know, the people that run these different film festivals or the people that are on the film collection, the film selection committees. And I'm going to them and I'm telling them about, you know, and I'm meeting them and I'm talking to them. Because, you know, if, if people like you, if they take a liking to you, you know, or, or they see sort, some sort of passion from you, you know, or they like you, you know, then a lot of times, you know, they're, they're going to give you know, more credence to your film. They might actually take the time, you know, to watch it and, and see if it's something that they would want to have in their film festival. So, I mean, this is something that I've been learning, you know, since I've been out, I, I've i got a few things in film festivals, but you know, like I went to Sundance in January for the second time. I'm actually going to Cannes in France coming up in May. So, you know, I've been meeting different people and I, I kind of got this circle of people that I, I've met, you know, going to these film festivals, you know, that they're, you know, not not people that are famous or celebrities or people that already made it, but people like me, you know, they're struggling, they're trying to make it. And, you know, we kind of like pull our reefers. Oh, do you know somebody at this film festival? You know, I'm sending them to here. And, you know, that's it. Oh, yeah, I know this guy. You know, and then they reach out to him on behalf of you. So, I mean, it's like anything in life, man. It's about networking, you know, being persistent, you know, believing in what you do. But also, you know, at the end of the day, especially. You know, like with film or or writing or anything, it's about uh, you gotta have a good product, man. You, you gotta have. I, I can't stress that enough. You have to put, you know, the time and effort to make sure your product, whatever it is, is the best that it can be. You know, cause mm. cause that's that's gonna that's gonna make you stick out, man. You know, you got you gotta put a lot of effort. You know, you gotta do all the preparation. I mean. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Some people can just go out and, and, and take a camera out and shoot something, and it can, can become a phenomenon. I mean, look at, like, stuff like the Blair Witch Project or something like that, you know, but, I mean, more often than not, I mean, stuff like that doesn't happen. I mean, how how many projects are there that are, you know, people wanted to be the next Blair Witch Project, but, you know, it never happened, you know. So, you know, I, I've learned that you've got to. You know, you got to do your homework, man. you got to do the preparation, especially with film. you got to find the right people. I mean, it's collaborative, so you got to form the right team around you. You know, you got to have people that not only have a passion for what they do, but you got to have people that know what they're doing, that have the technical skills. I mean, I, I was in prison 21 years, so I'll be the first to admit, you know, I, I don't have the technical skills. You know, but I've read enough and I, I've been around on film sets and, and with the technical people enough. That I I know the basics, you know. When when they're talking, you know, if they get too deep into stuff, you know, I, I don't know what they're talking about. You know, sometimes they're gonna be talking about aperture, this and you know all that, and and I might be kind of lost. But you know, it's more about recognizing, you know, good film. I identifying, you know, good acting. Identifying good subject matter, and and the easiest way to do that is, I mean, you just. Like, there's certain films I like that I think are good. You know, there's certain films that the society thinks or pop culture thinks is good. So what I do is I study. I study the films I like. You know, I study the docu-series I like. You know, I see how they're filmed. I see how they put together. And then, you know, I kind of use, you know, the, the, I try to make the stuff that I do look like that, even though it's a story that I'm telling. You know, but uh, yeah, it's it's not easy, man. It's, it's real competitive. I mean, I'll be honest. I thought I was gonna come out and boom, like two years, I was gonna be on. You know, and now I'm going on. Uh, I'm going on five years, and you know, I'm still trying to claw my way. You know, to get in position. You know, it's it's very competitive. There's a lot of people out there trying to do some entertainment stuff. I mean, the only thing that's good mm-hmm. is it seems like there's more streaming networks. You know, coming online, and it seems like you know America's and the world's uh, appetite. For content is, uh, you know, never-ending. So, you know, that's a good thing. But, you know, I, I learn every day, man. I, I'm still learning, you know, something. Like I shot the Easter Bunny assassin straight out of prison, you know, two, summer 2015. And if I redid that today, I mean, I would change a lot of things, you know, because I, I've i learned a lot, you know, since then. You know, that was just like kind of Gorilla style filmmaking, you know. And, uh, you know, luckily – you know, I got that first thing I did. I, I the first film festival I entered it in. You know, it got in. You know, but that was you know probably just uh, I don't you know I don't want to say luck you know because we worked hard on it, but you know I think luck has a lot to do with it too. Uh, you know, it's about hard work, preparation. You know, knowing what you're doing, and and you need a little bit of luck.
1: Mm. I'm one of those that loved crime crime theme shows. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Yeah, but I, I learned too, you know, I, I did White Boy with Sean Rick I mean, he won nine Emmys, and, and he kind of trained me You know, when, when I did White Boy with him You know, he, he kind of took me under his wing You know, and, 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 and trained me, you know, how to do his documentaries And now, you know, I, I was on I was on Escape at Moore. You know, I was on that set because one of my friends was a consultant You know, and I was background, and I was a stand-in You know, for one of the actors And um, for a week and, uh, you know, really I wanted to be on that set, you know, because that was a big Showtime, you know, production, you like know, Ben Stiller and Benicio Del Toro, you know, Patricia Arquette. And I went to that set, you know, really not even to do background or whatever. I mean, they, they pay you a daily rate and, and stuff like that, so that's cool. But really I went on that set to, to study. That was like a, a, you know, that was like a class for me, you know, just watching you know, Ben Stiller direct Benicio del Toro or Paul Dano or Patricia Arquette, you know, watching how Ben Stiller, you know, interacted with all the other people on his crew, you know, watching how the, you know, professional actors, you know, were doing stuff. So, you know, I, I try to do as much stuff like that as possible, you know, because you can't always be the head guy. You can't always run everything all the time. Sometimes, you know, you've got to be humble and you've got to go in his background if you just want to get the experience and you want to see how they do stuff on a big set. So that's, I was on that set for three weeks, you know, Mm. and, and just as a, as a background prisoner and, um, you know, but I I learned a lot, you know, just watching my eyes open. It's funny you should
1: say that because my son was on that show as well. (laughs) He was one of the prisoners.
2: Oh yeah. 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 There was a lot, man. We had like 350. There was like 350, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, background guys. So, uh, Mm-hmm. You know I, I learned a lot, man, and that's why I, I continue to do stuff you know, just to learn you know and, and talk to different people and um you know work with different people you know i don't I don't take every opportunity a lot of people around here, especially St. Louis, a lot of people ask me to do a lot of different stuff, but you know i I just don't jump out at anything i, I only I only work on something you know if i I think the people have a chance to go somewhere or if I think the project's you know real viable. You know, so you got you got to pick and choose. You know, you got to pick and choose your projects too. You can't just say like, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to be this. Or I want to be that, and then jump at anything that comes your way. You know, because some people don't put in the preparation. You know, some people don't have the right team, and you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times if they don't, then the product is is it's not. You know, it's going to turn out. You know, not very good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's true. You know, you we always appreciate when you come and kick it with us here in the chat room. We mm-hmm. want you to shout out boy. all of your social I media. When we can get <laughs> right white boy on stars. y'all make sure y'all subscribe to stars. Don't even play. Don't subscribe yeah. to stars so y'all can watch that white boy when it come out. Um, but make sure yeah. y'all no, let Yeah, it I mean, it's, yeah, know it's, it's out.
2: out. Yeah, it's out now. Oh, yeah, it's, out. it's can, out. now? You can watch it. It came out. Yeah, it came out April 1st on stars or April 9th. Been on since April
1: ninth.
2: I have seen it. Okay, I have stars. I'm gonna go search. Yeah. It. Me yeah, too. Yeah. And yeah, you, you know you can find me. I'm on. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook under my name Seth Ferrante. S e t h f e r r a n t i. Um, you know my web main website that I, I built from prison that sells all my street legends books and prison stories is gorillaconvict You know I also got Seth dot uh, all my stuff's on Amazon. You can find any, all my stuff on Amazon. All my stuff's on iTunes. You know, I got, I got some audio books now, too, on audio, on the Audible, you know, the uh, Amazon audio book thing. I got comic books mm-hmm. on comicology. You know, I, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of stuff out there. And, and I'm constantly working. I'm constantly writing. You know, I do stuff for Vice all the time. You know, I do stuff for Penthouse you know, I do stuff for a lot of different websites. So, um, and I'm I'm in discussions for a lot of stuff, you know, I, I, I haven't landed every deal I wanted or, you know, I haven't capitalized on every opportunity, you know, that's been brought to my way, but, you know, I've been having a lot of discussions. There's been a lot of interest, you know, in, in my different projects and, and what I'm doing. So, um, I'm just going to keep moving forward, man, and and, and stay positive And, um, it's all about finding, man. you got to find the right people, the people that believe in you. You know, you, you mm-hmm. got to find the right people, you know, that like your idea. you got to find the people that you vibe with because, I, mean, it, it, I mean, that's a basic human concept, too. We're, you're just not going to vibe with everybody. Everybody's not going to like you. So, you know, you just, if someone doesn't like you, you know, you can't, you know, give up or you can't take offense. you just got to keep it moving. And, and, you know, I always tell people, right, there's somebody that thinks like me, that works like me, you know, that, that likes the stuff that I like. You know, on a, on a higher level, you know, of the rung or the ladder that I'm on doing what I'm doing, and they're looking for somebody like me. You know, it's just getting out there, networking, jumping out there, you know, until you find that person, you know, and then when you find that person, they're going to give you a hand up. You know, that's what happened. That's why I made White Boy, Boy with Sean Reck. You know, I went and I met Sean Reck, and, you know, we, we, we vibed, you know, we gelled, you know, so. He gave me a hand up, you know, and he he helped me, you know, and, and he taught me how to make documentary films. So, I mean, it, it's the same thing. So that's that's right now, really. I'm I'm looking for somebody like that, you know, that's gonna you know take me and show me, you know, how to shoot a feature or, or you know kind of guide me or oversee me as I shoot a feature, you know, because that's that's what I want my next step to be. You know, I want to do a doctor series or I want to do a feature film. Uh
3: huh.
1: That's awesome. I
2: love it. You stay busy, Red. You stay busy. <laughs> I absolutely. Yeah, I love look, it. I'm very determined and I'm very ambitious, and I don't take no for an answer.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. You better talk that talk.
2: <laughs> yeah. Look, if, if you don't speak up for yourself, no one else is going to speak up for you.
1: Absolutely. Right. I definitely agree mm-hmm. with that. Seth, so appreciate yeah. you coming to kick it with us today. We can't wait to have you back on the show in 2020 because we know your 2019 gets filled up fast, but we always, always, always appreciate when you come through. Uh, make sure you tag mm-hmm. us in any of your posts, the things that you have going on so we can get those things shared out for you.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. No, thanks, 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 yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And, and like I say, You know, both you and Miss Tony, you guys have been supporting me for a long time since I was in, and, um, you know, I I really appreciate that, man. I mean, that's that's big to me, you know, so I always got love for you guys, and I always got love for your show.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so very much. And send our love to Diane. We appreciate her and all that she does, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah,
2: Yeah, she's waiting for me to get off because she wants to watch Game of Thrones.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. we go We didn't, we didn't catch
2: it. We didn't catch it Sunday. We're gonna watch it right now. Oh, we're gonna go watch tell it right get now.
1: ready. Tell it get ready. It's going yeah. down. So tell it right. turn her phone All off. Right. Put it on do not disturb yeah. because it's going down. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're about to Enjoy. watch episode one. We're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna watch episode one. All right. Thank you. Right, not a problem. Care. We
1: appreciate you. Take care.
2: All right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye
1: bye. <laughs> bye. Wow, he shared a lot with us, Leash, and it was just eye opening. Mm-hmm. Yes I appreciate him coming to kick it with us. Anytime I call on mm-hmm. him, it's always available and we, we so thank him for that. We appreciate you guys mm-hmm. coming to kick it with us today in the chat room if you're just tuning in. Hey y'all, hey, we wanna just, just wanna take a moment and shout out to those that listen to the replay. Our replay is popping. Thank y'all so much. <laughs> Who have been tuning in to our uh, replay here on Blog Talk or on iTunes or Spotify? We appreciate you guys. We thank you guys for your support. Make sure y'all come back. Um, I don't we don't have a show tomorrow. We will be seeing Mm -hmm. you guys in Detroit. We will be at Mm -hmm. the Hustle and Grind uh, May eighteenth, Detroit. Yes. So if you are in the Detroit area. Coming all at your girls. We're going to be there at the Hustle and Grind with the fabulous Michelle Moore, Hood Books. We will see y'all. It's going down. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about all the things that's going to be happening um, in literature this year. We appreciate you guys and good night. Good night.